Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Since it's Mother's Day, we can consider her blessed role that she played out in helping to introduce friendship to our lives right from the start. Maybe it was sitting us down for playtime as an infant, walking us over to a family with kids new to the area when we didn't want to go and meet them, or even having us invite a friend over to stay overnight for the very first time. Of course, friendship, as you know, with being adults can also be kind of hard even more because we don't have mom helping us bridge some of those gaps. As adults, it's hard to keep up many times those friendships. And they can be much broader than our earlier years in life. And when older years come to us, there's an encouraging way to deal with the loss of friendships. I had a blessed lady, a saint, who told me back in Minnesota, had coffee at her house every Tuesday. Other friends come over if they could. But she was 94 years old, and she always was able to tell me, and you know, she can repeat the stories sometimes, but she'd tell me, all my friends are gone. But that's okay. God lets me make new ones, like you. What we hear today from our gospel reading is very special from St. John, the apostle. It's the only place recorded when Jesus calls his disciples friends. Only here. These words also take on intensity. Because if I think you know where they happen, or you should, it happens on the night when Christ would be betrayed before the disciples, even by one of his friends. Only after Jesus' resurrection, though, did the disciples understand, did they really face the unique love of what it meant for him to call them friends. It would not be like any other way we understand friendship in life, Beyond shared interests, time, associations, or other desirable benefits, the Lord made friendship with him to be in a higher sense, a gift, a good gift of grace from God. Since the greatest of love does save, Jesus has made us his friends to abide in his love. Now, love abides by how God befriends us alone in Christ. You've got to start here, by God's befriending action. If you don't, you're going to end up tossing lots of different terms around and definitions for love, and that's all fine and good. But Jesus told his disciples the source of love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This goes back to what you heard last week about the vine and the branches, that imagery, that connectedness. 
Because Jesus, as the Son, held perfect love with the Father. In other words, it is this eternal and unique love within God that now befriends us in Christ alone. And how and why? It's all centered on the gospel. That's why it's so good. His command to abide in my love is set upon not our love in any way, not a single thing that any of us have toward God first and foremost. Nope. It's the love Christ has for us in every way. All kinds of love, as you know, are natural to life. That's what we learn about, and Mom tried to teach us a little bit. But Jesus refers to love that only belongs to God and what only God can give. In Greek, the word goes by the name agape. You might have heard of it before. It's not uncommon to hear that. And it means unbounded, unconditional, unyielding love. So the saying goes as you know it. God is love. This love did not ask a sinful world about salvation or any of us to be loved a certain way that we like, for God acted on his own motivations of love. Such perfect love, you must know, condemns. Out in the front, it condemns all other love, for Christ went to the cross. But his resurrection holds the weight of God's love, doesn't it? To befriend any sinner with forgiveness. To abide in him, Jesus, is for a believer or a whole church to remain on the receiving end of what Jesus alone gives by the gospel. That's why this text shows up in Easter and not during Holy Week. It's an Easter because God is love and he has brought us a living victory, promised Jesus Christ for all who believe. This shape of love is now also friendship that abides from Jesus. The basis for such a change in relationship, as you know, it's pretty self-evident, was not in the power of the disciples. They didn't position themselves to be called friends. Jesus just came right out with it and told them. Okay? Jesus held up the high standard he would make. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. That night, none of the disciples, as you know, were able to do what he commanded. The word command here means not the Ten Commandments only, or rules. It means his word, the fullness of all his word says. And they didn't do it but instead showed unfriendliness before the cross. This was no mutual friend making. As we consider it today, you know the say, saying, it's pretty common, to have a friend, you have to be a friend. Duh. Okay. That's not what we're talking about here. No, Jesus, by his death and resurrection, made friends. 
so that the disciples would realize this and believe in God's great love. People are quick to claim friends, aren't they? For all different kinds of reasons, like popularity for kids, maybe with Facebook likes and all that kind of stuff, or even anybody, frankly. Social advantage for getting a better job. Even, frankly, fear of being alone. It is that, as I have loved you, that Jesus says, that calls us to trust in him, where conditions of friends have changed by God's grace. Adam and Eve heard that, as I have loved you, in the garden from God, first and foremost, as he called them back from their fall into sin, to give them a great promise. It belonged to Abraham when the Lord called him out of his idolatrous country to go with the Lord, who would make him a father of faith. The apostles would go out and boast over the greater love that achieved by Christ that none other could do by his glorious resurrection. And for all going out that that would be doing, the Gentiles would receive this. And you heard Peter today make this great boast. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Let him be baptized. What Christ gave by his sacrifice made friends and is the gift God won for a loveless world. And so St. Paul says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's love. He goes on, how much more then we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? We have a friend that indeed will remain with us through thick and thin. Even death itself cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So fruitfulness then will abide for sharing love as friends proclaims Christ. Love is natural because you are no longer servants, but friends with the comfort of Christ and his word faithful to save you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Against the world's fake fruit of sin, you could call it wax fruit today, or the devil's diseased fruit of death, there is an abiding fruit of love at work by Christ in us. Luther puts it this way during the time of the Reformation. Order and discipline, fear and awe are vanishing. In truth, punishment and trouble have already set in. And unless matters change, we Christians will have to reconcile ourselves to the thought of suffering with these people. Yet this will not harm us if we believe the message we have been proclaiming to the world. 
So in other words, the world's going off in all its courses for us today, and yet we have a friend who will abide with us even if the world doesn't want to be friends anymore to the church or to Christ. We're just going to have to live with that. And that's okay. You have a friend who made you his friend. The unbroken love is by Christ choosing, isn't it? Not ours, for his word holds the gospel. He chooses you again out of grace. Baptism is how he claims us as his friends. And the sacrament, as you know, is him with relief for us, our whole life, to lean upon him. If we are to suffer the world, as Luther said, and we know Jesus actually right after these words today tells them the world will hate them. <laughs> so now you know why Jesus told them, you're my friends, because you're not going to have very many from the world. But ironically enough, a word is first and above all mean love among us at Zion, right here. That's not an easy task. I don't care what you think. I don't care how long you've known each other. It's not as easy as we ever think. It is. The devil sows every contention and pride among the church to twist first doctrine. And if he can't get the teachings, he goes after shaming life. However, Christ made us his friends without question by his sacrifice, didn't he? That's what we lift up. That's what we know is the glory of God. So there is friendship to share with each other. Since he is the true vine, God's justifying work is for all by faith. You're part of that vine as we believe in the gospel. And while we know mutual love then in the body of Christ is the greatest fruit-bearing witness before the world. You want a mission you want to do and reach people. Do unto each other first, above all. And sometimes that may mean having to hear complaints and criticisms. But that's okay. Because Christ does not criticize us, but forgives us all our sins. He teaches us love, doesn't he? That becomes the greatest witness to a world but has no love, because it does not have God, who has loved this world by his Son. I grew up with it. You probably raised your kids with him, but you remember Mr. Rogers, right? And he had that famous saying, uh, everybody loved the saying, won't you be my, my neighbor? Pretty simple. It was unique. It was very special, because he was, that's pretty smart. I don't know if he came up with it or someone else did who made the show, but either way, it don't matter. It was important because of this. It offered friendship to tens of thousands of kids who, frankly, were home alone many times. He's gone from the TV screen, you know. But Christ continues to call us friends in a way that's unknown to humanity in a way that literally cannot come through your TV screen or go on the internet. It's a way in flesh and blood, and we hear that again today, together, from Jesus and his word. 
as the true vine, the love of God is made known by Christ. Keeping his commandments or his word is the unique friendship we have with him. Out of his death and resurrection, he has made us friends of God, branches bound to his love. And so this is the big thing. Rainy day, windy, it's a pretty easy analogy. When the branches beat each other and smack each other around, I didn't see much trees out where I came from, but I see a lot more here. I got to pick up a lot more in my yard. But when the branches are beaten and smacked around, you know what that does. It hurts the branches. It even breaks them off. This is why it always goes back to the one friendship as a gift. So of love does save. Jesus has made us friends in his love. Standing be with your heart, minds, and the greatest of love, that is Christ Jesus.